0: Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the You Are Not Too Busy podcast. I'm your host, Noam Raider, and I'm so happy that you're here. I hope you're having a beautiful day, a beautiful week, a beautiful May, or I guess it's almost June. That is so crazy. I swear this year went January, February, June. Like, I March, April, May didn't happen. Like, which is crazy because I did a lot of things in March and in April and in May, and I can recall those things, but it's just gone by way too fast. It's honestly so scary. I just would love life. I don't want it to go this quickly, Um, but I guess that's a good thing. I guess time flies when you're having fun. I guess, I guess, I guess, but I'm terrified. What about you? Moving on um today we have a guest episode and i will get all into that in a little bit but i figured we do a little bit of a catch up i don't really have too much new to say in terms of my life update since we last spoke because i mentioned this on the last episode but i'm gonna be on like the same rotation for three months right now which is so exciting because i've never had any sort of routine for this long, or not never, but not since medical school. So that's nice, but I feel like because of that, I don't have as many exciting life updates. Um, I guess something fun that I did last weekend was my manager and the CEO of my agency, so like my social media agency. They both flew into Toronto this past weekend, which was really fun because they do not live in the city, they live on the other side of the country and we mainly just meet remotely. I have met my manager a handful of times in person, just the way it's worked out. Um, But it was really, really cool to spend time in person with people that I work with, with I guess my colleagues, my boss, I don't really know what the right terminology is. The amazing part was that I didn't really feel that way and I loved how us young women in the industry are changing the conversation and the way that we see professionalism and not making the workplace somewhere cold and hostile, making it somewhere friendly where we uplift each other and motivate each other and inspire each other. So, All in all, amazing weekend, tons of fun, and feeling really motivated for what's to come social media-wise. Other updates are it's going to be my birthday in like a week and a half, terrifying. Again, (laughs) clearly a recurring theme. The time is going way too fast. I can't believe it's been another year around the sun, but um, I am really excited to celebrate my birthday, which is new for me because I am not a huge birthday person. I think mostly because I used to get a lot of anxiety around my birthday and around expectations and if I would end up spending the time alone or if it like people, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like all those classic things just make it used to make me really nervous. But this year I have a, just a sense of peace with it, which is really nice and refreshing. And just knowing that I can fill my day with the things that make me happy and the people that make me happy will be there. And I don't need any glitz and glamor. I just really need those pure, basic, happy things. And I'm looking forward to it. And then two days after my birthday, I am leaving to Spain. But I think we will touch base before then. My plan is to get another episode out before I go to Spain. So we'll chat then. And I think it's going to be a solo episode because it's been way too long since I did one of those. But nonetheless, I wanted to chat about a little something, something that's been on my mind before we get into today's episode, just because I feel like it's something that's just been coming up again and again in conversations with my friends. And maybe you'll benefit from it as well. Okay, so let's backtrack a few days ago. Again, that's something that's come up a few times, but this specific incident really sticks to mind. Um, I was at dinner with my friends, and someone asked the question, what are some of your major goals for the year? What are your bucket list items? Like, what are the big things you want to achieve? And people started answering different things, like, oh, I really want to travel to this country. I want to make this amount of money. I want to start this project, etc." And I kind of was listening and obviously super excited for my friends, but I started to realize that I don't actively have any super delineated major goals for the year. So it's not that I don't have general goals, but I didn't have the specific milestones that I was trying to reach the same way that I had kind of written out and envisioned in past years. Um, So for example, last year in 2022, it was, I want to graduate medical school. I want to match to my top choice residency. I want to succeed in my first few months of being a physician. um, I want to travel to Europe. Like I had all these firsts and these new things that I was trying to do. And this year, I still made a vision board at the beginning of the year in January. I still wrote wrote out my goals, but without realizing I think they were just much more general and much less ends focused. They were, they were more about the means to the ends. And one of my major goals for the year was really just to be present and to slow down and stop chasing the next thing. And that was like one of the main ones I'd written out. And I guess without realizing, the other goals that I wrote, because they weren't so ends focused, they were more about the means, the journey, Um, it kind of lended to that. And throughout the year, throughout 2023, I'm starting the year as a resident doctor. I'll finish the year as a resident doctor. I don't have any major life changes coming up. Things are stable and good and happy. And I just kind of consciously or subconsciously decided to take the year as, I guess, a transition year, a filler year, a more calm year, not looking to really Um, Kind of hit the next step, but really just enjoying where I'm at. And again, I don't really know if this was conscious or subconscious. I think it was a mix of both because I did, like I said, make the goal of wanting to be more present, but I didn't really actively decide that I don't want to kind of have other goals this year, if that makes sense. And it's not even that over the past, I guess, six months of the year, I haven't achieved things. I'm, I'm really proud and happy of where I'm at, but it wasn't from this kind of hunger and search for success like I had in past years. And I've just had a greater kind of sense of peace with where I'm at and trying to enjoy this exact moment. And all of this to say is something that I'm really actually quite proud of and really happy about. And could I have maybe progressed in my career, quote unquote, faster if I had more, quote unquote, goals or direction this year? Maybe. Maybe I could have But is that really the point? And I think all of this to say, a theme that keeps coming up again and again for me over the past couple weeks, months, is that life doesn't need to be hard. Like the goal of life, the purpose of life, the meaning of life is not necessarily to struggle. Sometimes we struggle and overcoming these struggles is a beautiful part of life and it teaches us so much and shows us so much strength. But we don't need to struggle. We don't need to look for adversity and difficult times. It's okay to just be, to just enjoy, to be a human being instead of a human doing. And just next time you catch yourself doing something that isn't bringing you joy, that is making you stressed, that is making you worried, that is making you overworked, I'm not saying give up on that. I'm not saying don't do it, but remind yourself that life doesn't need to be hard. Sometimes, It is hard. Sometimes there's things that we can't avoid, things we can't change, obstacles that we have to go through. But other times, and I think for some of us often, how many times do we create those own obstacles and barriers and hardships for ourselves? Because, I don't know, do we crave it? Do we crave the difficult times and the hardships? I'm not sure, but it's just something that's been coming up again and again for me. And I don't really have it all sorted out, but the moral of the story is, is, Remind yourself of that. Remind yourself that life should be fun and joyful. And also, just check in with yourself. Maybe the goals you set at the beginning of the year aren't the ones you necessarily need for this year. Maybe you've subconsciously taken yourself to a point that you didn't even know you needed to be at. Like, I don't think I actively knew I needed this until this year. I honestly have no idea if anything I said just made sense. But if it resonated with you, I'm glad. Anyways, I just wanted to get that out there. Again, I'm going to do a solo episode next week, a few things I want to chat about, but kind of along this topic, so we will touch base then for sure. Let's get into today's episode because we have a super fun guest on today, and I know you guys will love the conversation. Today, we are chatting all things skincare, evidence-based skincare beauty treatments, Botox, and so much more. We have Dr. Christina Wang coming on the podcast. She's a dermatology resident physician, and she has so much knowledge to share. And it was really insightful for me, even someone who considers themselves a bit of a skincare junkie and skincare lover, and also someone who has education and training in science and in medicine. But hearing from her and her evidence-based explanations of how skincare works and how different beauty treatment works, like microneedling and Botox. It was super cool, super insightful, and if that's something that's been on your mind, if you also love skincare and beauty, I think you'll love today's episode. So let's jump into it, and I will see you on the other side. All right, everybody.
1: Welcome, Christina, to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad we finally found time to make this happen.
0: Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited for today's conversation and I know everyone listening will be as well because I'm sure you know, but I feel like for the past few years, if not longer, skincare has just been such a hot topic that everyone wants to kind of know more about and more about how to do it in an evidence-based way, which is why I was so excited to have you on and get your perspective as a dermatology resident. But on that note, if you can just introduce yourself, what I like to call the elevator pitch, just two to three minutes about yourself, what do you do and what can we learn from you?
1: Sure. Sounds good. I totally agree with that, by the way. Like I think now preventative skin care is like a hot topic. So I'm glad we're talking about that today. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I'm Christina. I'm a fourth year dermatology resident at the University of Toronto. Um, essentially, I was actually born in China and grew up, like my parents immigrated here with me when I was five to Winnipeg, actually, so they're still there. And I moved over to Ontario for school. Um, and yeah, so now I've been living in Toronto for four years and really been able to be so grateful to kind of integrate my passions in skincare with like my career and being able to help people that way. Um, so I'm excited to answer any questions you guys might have about skincare and medicine and life in general.
0: And then a question I like to ask um, all the guests that I have on is, do you know what your Myers-Briggs personality type is or your Enneagram or your Zodiac sign or really anything you kind of resonate with just so we can get to know a bit more about you and kind of your personality rather than just kind of career and titles and things like that?
1: Yeah, I really like that. Actually, it's a very interesting question just to kind of get to know people a little bit more. Um, So I'm actually I'm an Aries. And I would say, I think it's pretty accurate for, for my personality mm-hmm. traits. Um, so I guess for people that don't, I feel like everyone just reads up on their own horoscopes. No one really reads the That's other true, yeah. Um, But I would say like for Aries, we're kind of known to be like passionate, outgoing, strong headed people. And I think that rings true for me because anything that really catches my interest, I almost get really, really into it and really obsessed with it um, and get and can get really intense with it, I guess. Um, So, yeah, those are some of my personality traits. And I think like, you know, Aries are they're usually very like dynamic, direct people, so um I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing I guess could be both but um yeah I would say that those are pretty true for who I am and what has brought me to where I am today
0: Yeah for sure I was just going to say I'm sure that that's paid off well pursuing your career in dermatology so I guess kind of on that note what motivated you or I guess in your words kind of sparked this passion for skincare and then dermatology as a specialty and kind of what was your career path to get to where you are today?
1: Mm-hmm. So I think indirectly I've always had some kind of influence for like, you know, maintaining good skincare from growing up. So I was born in China, like I mentioned. And my parents and my grandma and my mom all really emphasized the importance of skincare, um, just growing up. So that was kind of in my innate nature. But then I would say like only looking back now when I'm an adult and I'm putting these things together that when I immigrated to Canada and we were in this like smaller town that mostly were cock Asians, I was probably the only Asian person there. So I didn't realize at the time, but, um, you know, it really kind of impacted me looking different from everyone around me and made me realize, you know, like, Maybe in some ways lose a little bit of confidence that way because I look different than everyone else. Not to say that I got bullied or anything, but um, you know I just wasn't able to be myself a hundred percent, and I at that time I didn't know the reason why. Um, And I would say growing up, I was lucky in that I didn't have a lot of skin issues. Like you know everyone had mild acne, but I didn't have it so severe that it impacted my life, but similar to like what I experienced, I was able to like see what my friends went through when they had really debilitating skin disease that really affected their mental health. Um, So I remember, you know, trying to Google products and, you know, things like that to help my friends when they had really bad acne breakouts or eczema breakouts. So I think even from a young age, before I even considered medicine as a career, before I even knew about like what dermatology was all about these things were just naturally of interest to me um and just the piece about seeing how much it impacted my friend's life um really motivated me to look more into how I can actually help them so i guess that's kind of like i think what initially got me interested in dermatology but um I guess after med school, I didn't, like I said, I didn't even know what like Durham was as a specialty. Um, but yeah, I was lucky enough in med school to be able to find it pretty early on and do more exploring that way.
0: Yeah, I think that's so interesting that you mentioned how one of the main motivating factors for you was how important your skin and to a degree your physical appearance is for your mental health and i think i mean as a resident and as a medical student i feel like there's sometimes this narrative of oh dermatology is all about aesthetics and et cetera, et cetera. and um i don't know if you feel the same way but i feel like sometimes what i would hear kind of the whispers among the hall of oh it's not as kind of impactful as something like oncology or internal medicine things like that but really can have such a big impact on someone's life, their physical health or mental health, all of it. So I think that's really, really interesting that that was kind of the motivating factor early on, and I'm sure it continues to be as well. Um, but we can just get right into kind of the meat and potatoes. Um, but let's talk about skincare. And I'd love to hear from your perspective using your experience in general, but also your education, what are some skincare products that you think everyone should be using or at least should be doing their research into? And what kind of um, markers do you consider when shopping for skincare products? So is there anything you always want to avoid or always want to make sure a product has? I know it's kind of a loaded question, but just interested to hear all the information you have.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, we should break that down a lot because I think it's not as easy as, oh eight you should do ABC and call it a day, because in terms of like what things you should be incorporating into your skincare routine, I think really depends on what your skincare goals are, what your problem issues are, and also the age that you are at, because obviously everyone is going to go through the, the aging process and skincare and aesthetics and everything that we do for our health, essentially, not just for our skin health, is to try to prolong aging or, you know, have as natural of aging or as slow as aging as as much as possible. So I think it really depends on the age that you're at. Like obviously someone that's in their 20s is going to be looking at different skincare ingredients that are going to be helpful for them as compared to someone that's 50. Um, So, yeah, I think if you're younger, obviously the, the key is prevention um, because hopefully you don't have the issues already. Like you're trying to prevent the issues from coming. So number one, everyone knows sunscreen. That's the number one thing I would say everyone, no matter your age should be doing, um every day no matter if it's if you're inside or if it's raining or if it's winter you should be wearing it every single day um like twofold it's preventing against skin cancer which is one of like it is the like most prevalent cancer period um but secondly it is preventing photo aging as well so all the pictures that you see of older people with like brown spots wrinkles, like leathery skin, that's all from the sun. So, you know, the biggest preventative thing is sunscreen. And then I would, second thing I would say is a retinol or retinoid. So that's a topical vitamin A that that people should be applying at night, especially if you're younger to help prevent. So um, retinoids or retinols are acne treatments. They're They're scientifically proven to help with pimples, blackheads, whiteheads, breakouts. Um, But it also is scientifically proven to decrease the amount of fine lines and wrinkles. So it's a really good preventative measure that way because it helps with your cell turnover, um, you know, the elasticity of your skin, the texture of your skin. So I think that's the second thing that everyone that is younger looking to prevent should be considering or looking into. And then, you know, like the third thing I would say is probably a topical vitamin C or some kind of antioxidant. So again, that's also, it's you're not going to see effects right away. You're not going to really see much benefit like right away. It's more long-term. You're trying to prevent that oxidative stress that you're experiencing on your skin every day from the sun, from the environmental, you know, debris Um, So vitamin C, I think is also very good, like scientifically backed to protect against those things and to help brighten the skin in the long run. Um, Yeah. Do you have any questions about any of like any further questions about those things or?
0: No, that was very helpful. And I guess kind of to bounce on to what you mentioned at the beginning for someone who's older or later in life is there anything else you think people should add in once they hit their 30s, 40s, 50s anything like that
1: yeah i mean personally i've you know i've done a lot of cosmetic procedures as well on patients and seen the results and also seen people older like already that have static lines perhaps looking for solutions And I personally think that if you're really, if your goal is to prevent wrinkles and fine lines, um, you know, you should maybe consider also some procedural things as well if you're in your thirties, you know? So like injectables, like neuromodulator or like a brand name of that is Botox or fillers, um, you know, microneedling, um, I think, or even like chemical peels, I think, are a great kind of add-on if you're, if you have the basics already covered, like the three things that I mentioned, the vitamin C sunscreen and retinol or, ret, um, or retinoids, um, just because, you know, they are costly upfront, but I think they these are all like scientifically studied, multiple publications have shown that they work. Um, so, you know, I think that would be my next priority if you're in your like 30s and 40s and looking for something that will make a big, like will make a significant impact or a difference rather than, you know, like other products perhaps that are also can be quite pricey, um, but maybe not as much evidence behind them. Um, So yeah, that was, that would be something I would say is don't be scared to try some procedures as well. Just make sure that you're going with someone that has experience that knows how to deal with things if things go wrong and um, that someone that's well trained to do those things because it's your face.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I really appreciate that. I feel like there's a lot of stigma just in society in general around um, injections and procedures and things like that. And um, although it's so common, I feel like some people don't want to talk about it really. And I feel like definitely in medicine, I don't hear it spoken about that often. Um, so I think it's, it's a good perspective take of, of course, you need to have a good skincare routine and focus on prevention, but there's also nothing wrong with saying I want to do this to get a more effective or faster result, et cetera. Um, and I don't know if there's a specific answer to this question, but I'd be curious to hear your opinion on. Obviously, everyone ages at different rates, genetically environmental factors and so on. I think a common question that I hear kind of amongst my friends and just people around me is, when is the right time to start something like Botox or filler? Are there any physical signs to look out for on your skin or your face to be like, maybe I should go get a consultation?
1: Totally. That's a really good question and so common, especially like I said in the beginning of this episode that, you know, it's very common now for people to be aware of their skincare and they're trying to prevent, right? And honestly, I do advocate for that. I agree with you. It's kind of cliche in general, but especially in medicine to even talk about cosmetic procedures. Um, But I agree in that it's also part of the prevention, right? Like it's much easier to do these injectables to prevent these problems from coming versus you're, you know, you didn't do any preventative care and suddenly you're 50 or 60 and you need a facelift, you know, like that's the only thing that can help you if you haven't prevented that, right? Um, Because you're just like the sagging is just so severe that the only thing that could help is a surgical procedure and obviously that comes with more risk than a procedure that you're just getting in the clinic um but so to answer your question i don't think there is like a specific age you know like it's it's i think it depends on several things like first of all the person has to be mentally ready um to do these things because again, it's not a one fix, one time fix, right? Like I'm mentioning these things like Botox and fillers as also a preventative measure. It's like another level on the tier of your skincare prevention, right? You have the things that you're applying. This is just another tier of prevention and it's going to take maintenance. It's maintenance, right? It's not, you're doing it once and it's done. So you have to be mentally prepared um, to, to be doing it long-term for the long-term benefits, right? Um, And so I think it's also important to differentiate, like for example, if we're just saying like Botox or like neuromodulators versus fillers because they do different things and the goal and the outcome is different. So like, I wouldn't even say like, oh, there's one, one age that you should be doing both because maybe sometimes like, you know, you might need some Botox, but not fillers yet. Right. it Depends on what is it about your skin that's bothering you. So for example, if you're finding that you're having some fine lines and wrinkles when you're moving your face or with facial expression, you might want to consider something like Botox because Um, you know, like if you've heard about baby Botox or just like basically it's putting minimal amounts of Botox into your muscles to, you know, prevent them from moving as much because wrinkles come from, you know, your, your facial ability to move and be dynamic. And then every time it creases, it will create a fold, right? So if you fold something many, 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 many times, the fold will be there without you moving. So I don't know if that analogy makes sense, but so if you don't move the muscles, it can't, your skin can't fold, therefore it can't make the wrinkles. So what you're trying to do with neurotoxins or Botox is you're trying to prevent the folding and you're trying to prevent the wrinkles from being static. Um, So, you know, it's okay if you're moving your muscles and like whenever you're moving your face you're getting lines but if you do that enough and over time you will have lines without moving your face at all so if you think of someone that's maybe a little bit older they have resting lines so that's what we're trying to prevent from doing botox so that's all to say if i think my advice would be t- like if someone is finding lines that are bothersome at with movement that sometimes, like, you know, you can consider Botox at that time, or if you're already having static lines without moving, then Botox would help with that as well and to help prevent that from getting even deeper.
0: Does and that, it, yeah, yeah, no, that is very helpful for sure. And, um, for someone who already has static lines or they're just starting, I think another kind of topic of misconception I hear. Uh, People saying either if you start getting Botox and you keep getting it, they can kind of reduce or in other words, like quote unquote, reverse them. And other people saying, no, what you have will stay there. It's only for further prevention. So wondering if you, what your thoughts are on that, on the kind of aspect of reversing existing fine lines with Botox.
1: I mean, I think to an extent, it will soften the lines for sure. But like I said, once the crease is there, you are trying to it's more the latter trying to prevent it from getting deeper but i think the results are you will see a result that it is uh, less noticeable or less Um, it is softer Um, and you know that's what people want most people if you go to an experienced injector they don't want to look done they don't want to look different from their original appearance and i think the beauty of like cosmetic dermatology and aesthetics is you're, you're like, it, there shouldn't be a cliche around it because you're really trying to enhance someone's natural beauty. You're not trying to make them look like someone else. You're trying to just make them look like what they look like perhaps when they were 20 years old. Right. Um. So, yeah. So I think Botox, it does help, but if, for example, right, if you already have those lines, Then and those lines are what's bothering you, then the solution perhaps is not neurotoxins or Botox. You might get better results with something like filler where you're putting, usually it's hyaluronic acid, um, but you're putting the filler into those lines because if you think about it, it's like a valley. So if the valley is already there and you're putting something underneath of the valley, you're pushing it up from underneath, So then that will make the line flat, like it'll straighten out the line because you're putting something underneath. Um, So I would say, yeah, if you already have the lines, then maybe it's time to look into fillers. Um, But if you don't have static lines yet, but that's your goal is you want to try to prevent that, then potentially Botox would be more appropriate in that setting.
0: Yeah, for sure. Thank you. And kind of what I mentioned earlier, but it was a packed question and I got excited and ahead of myself. But I feel like something that people talk about a lot these days are different terms for skincare products. So let's say, like you said, we know everyone should use a sunscreen and maybe a retinol and a vitamin C, but there are so many out there. So are there any specific terms or um ingredients or anything like that that you look for in products. So for example, I know people talk about non comedogenic and fragrance free, cruelty free. What's your take on all of that?
1: Yeah, again, this is I I think this is why it's so important to see someone that has experience in these things because it's not a one size fits all at all. You know, like what it depends on what your skin type is and how you react to certain products. But if I were to try to generalize it, you know, non-comedogenic is certainly great for everyone, but especially if you have acne prone skin, because what that really means is that it's not going to be so thick that it clogs up the pores, because essentially if you're clogging up the pores, there's, you know, there's room for bacteria to build up and that leads to acne and breakouts and pimples. So non-comedogenic is great for anyone, but especially if you have already just acne-prone skin at baseline. And I agree with the fragrance-free. That's just because a lot of people actually have an allergy to fragrances or even preservatives that we find in skincare products. So, you know, if you break out into a rash, like it could happen to anyone, but I would say fragrance-free, especially if you have sensitive skin, um, because if you're sensitive at baseline, any kind of small irritant that is in the product can irritate your skin. But, you know, as a general rule, if you don't know if you have sensitive skin, it's good to be look for signs that are like non communogenic and fragrance-free, better to be on the safer side. I always tell patients too, if you are trying a product for a new, like a new product for a first time, instead of trying it on your face first, you can try it kind of on your arm, like on the other opposite side of your elbow, the antecubital fossa area there, like where your elbow bends, just because that's a very thin piece of skin. So apply it there every day for like a week or two to see if you develop a rash or if you develop hives. That skin there is very, like, very thin and very similar to your face. So if you can tolerate there, then I would be much more comfortable than like to put it on your face. So it's kind of like a test run. Do it on your arm first. If you can tolerate it there, then maybe try it on your face. Um, and also if you break out in a rash, it's much better to have one on your arm and it's easier to deal with than having a full breakout on your face.
0: Totally. Yeah. And, um, kind of along this train of thinking, um, another term I hear thrown around a lot is clean skincare and knowing that anyone can call anything clean. It doesn't really mean too much, but, um, what's kind of your take on that trend of clean skincare. And if you are looking for quote unquote clean, uh, what should you actually be looking for in your products?
1: Yeah, that's really interesting question too, because it's very common that people come say, oh, this is like organic, or this is all natural. I was like, you know, like, in my perspective, nothing is truly, truly clean. Because obviously, to make a product, you need to have at least a preservative in there. You know, you need to have some kind of ingredient in there, right? Even if it's just plain moisturizer, like, the fact that it's a moisturizer means it has some kind of humectant or, you know, an emollient. These are all things that are chemically compounded to try to absorb, like, water into your skin. That's how they moisturize, right? So nothing is truly, truly clean. Um, for me, clean, scare, clean skincare means, like, what we just talked about, about, like, non-fragrant. Because those things like there's a list of 100 like 100 ingredients that most people are would be allergic to. And like sometimes we need to patch test those people to see if you have allergies. So just to make sure like to be on the safe side that your ingredients don't include, you know, the common culprits for those allergies would be number one. Um, And then in terms of like all these natural skincare products and organic skincare products, I would actually think that that's a myth because in those like a hundred or so ingredients that are proven that have been proven for the last, you know, 20, 50 years to be the top culprits for skin allergies, it includes things that are actually found in these like natural products. So you know, like even like beeswax, for example, that had that is on one of those one hundred list listed things. So just because it's organic or it's natural doesn't mean it's not harmful,
0: yeah, that's really helpful and good to know. I feel like there's so many things I hear because again, it's such a hot topic on social media and everywhere in society today in general. I feel like one that I hear about often and not necessarily just in skincare, but even when people kind of take it orally, but is the whole concept of collagen and collagen for skin aging. So I wonder if you have any takes on that of, should we be using it topically? Should we put, be putting it in our smoothies or is it totally a myth overall?
1: Yeah, that's a huge top, like hot topic. I agree with you. Um, in terms of taking it orally I heard like I've heard a lot about that but what I like to tell my patients is you can't control the even if you're taking collagen in your smoothie or you're taking it in your tea you can't control where that collagen is going how do you know it's going to your skin (laughs) so I think I I think that's a that hasn't been proven scientifically that that increases collagen in your skin by taking it orally and also like, you know, topically, perhaps I don't know of any concrete studies that like have rep- repeatedly supported that. I think, you know, topically, it's hard to because the collagen in your skin is found quite deep in your skin. It's not like right at the surface. So for something to penetrate that deep, it would be difficult. However, saying that, that's why. I say, you know, don't be scared to explore other options, like having professionals do procedures on you, right? Like, for example, microneedling, that is a procedure that, you know, you can get microneedling, which is basically small punctures into your skin that is done, of course, in a clean and sterile technique. But because of those punctures, those are actually making a tract to go into the level of your skin that your collagen is formed. So if you're able to directly deposit some kind of collagen booster into the skin where the collagen is, of course that's it's a direct treatment and it's going to be going where you want it to go. So that's why I say those things are more evidence based because, um, you know, studies have been done that like it shows increased collagen after those procedures. And it just makes sense too, because you're directly putting the collagen stimulator where you want the collagen to go. Whereas putting it on top of your skin topically or taking it orally, it's really hard to say exactly where that ends up.
0: I actually didn't know that about um, micro-needling and how it actually works. I mean, it's something that I've heard um, all around kind of on social media, et cetera. I've never done it myself, but I didn't actually know what was the point of it until now. So that's really interesting. Yeah, um, and I'm so sure people, that's the same for so many people.
1: Yeah, I mean, so people like you know, microneedling—it's creating trauma, and so like anytime you create trauma, your skin is naturally going to kick into regeneration mode. Essentially, it's like when you have a cut, your 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 immune system, everything just kicks into gear. It's gonna heal your cut. So if you have a micro trauma, everything kind of kicks into high gear and that's including the collagen. So it's going to increase that turnover. And it's been really popular these days too, to combine things like microneedling with like PRP, for example. I don't know how much you've heard about PRP, but essentially if you're creating those micro traumas, you can, if you're applying the PRP or any kind of active ingredient on top after, it's way more effective because it's getting, there's holes for it to actually seep into the skin more deeply.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. Um, Again, I, I kind of heard of it through the grapevine, but never actually looked into how it actually works. And as someone in medicine, I obviously like knowing how the things I'm doing or the things I'm buying or putting on my skin are actually working. So that's really interesting. Um, And I guess a reminder for everyone to kind of look into the procedures and what you're doing and talk to a professional, like you're saying about what your skincare goals are and finding the products or treatments that work for you. Um, But yeah, thank you for all that kind of all those nuggets of information about skincare. I, I know it's super helpful for everyone listening as well, but stepping back from just your job as a dermatologist, you're obviously so much more than that. And Something I really like to emphasize through my platform and this podcast is that we are so much more than just our job titles, our careers, so I'd love to hear more about how you're able to maintain your life outside of work, um, even while on a busy residence schedule. I know dermatology can be a very competitive program, so always happy to hear any advice or thoughts about that.
1: Yeah, I love that. And I love that you have this platform to emphasize that for people in busy careers, not just medicine, um, to, you know, we're all multifaceted people with multiple interests, multiple passions, doesn't have to just be one. And you don't just have to be good at one thing. In fact, I think exploring all of your interests makes you a more well-rounded person um but i think i think for me i think you just have to find what recharges your batteries so for me i've always been active growing up and um like you know playing sports and being involved that way so for me like being able to work out or you know do a workout class with my friends is actually mentally taking a break from everything else that's going on and, you know, helps me focus better when I come back to my tasks. So prioritizing the things that really recharges your batteries, I think is good for you in the long run and will help you, you know, keep a sustainable lifestyle and to be able to, you know, continue doing what you're doing um, in a greater capacity.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And do you have any, um, pe- like one piece of advice or a few pieces of advice you wish you could give to your younger self, whether earlier in residency, in medical school, or even before that, about um, how to kind of keep, keep sight of all of that, even during those kind of earlier years where things feel a bit more uncertain, or there's more stressors, so on?
1: For sure. In medicine, you know, imposter syndrome is so common. And I remember being at those stages and even now, um, having overcome a lot of things like so and similarly to you, like getting into medical school, getting into residency, even having overcome that and, you know, building confidence from that, there's always a sense of, am I good enough? Do I belong here? And, you know, like. I guess the thing to keep in mind is just exactly what you said. You're more than just your job. You're more than just where you match. You're more than just what kind of residency or what kind of resident you are. So, you know, just to be able to take a step back and say, you know, like, what are the things that are so wonderful in your life already? You know, your friends, your family, the fact that we have a roof over our head, just keep trying to keep that perspective. And for me personally, I found that going through medical school when I was so just caught up in this whole treadmill and this whole cycle and all of this pressure from everyone in medicine, I found that talking with my friends outside of medicine really helped me gain that perspective about just how lucky I am to be even in the position I'm in today. Um, and even when I feel that imposter syndrome now, I always bring myself back to that place and just think about how much I wanted this and how much I wanted to be in the position I'm in today, even just you know, three, four, five years ago. So you know you can always just think back to your younger self and how far you've already come.
0: Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your wisdom and your experience. And if people want to find you online, ask you any questions, or just reach out about anything else, uh, plug yourself out. Where can they find you?
1: Yeah, hit me up anytime. Um, so I'm on Instagram and TikTok. And my handle is Dr. Christina Huang. So D R C H R I S T I N A H U A N G. Happy to answer any other questions or further conversations about anything that we discussed today. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me.
0: All right, guys, hello, me again. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, please feel free to leave a rating, a review on Spotify, Apple Podcast, either one or both. Follow the podcast, follow the podcast on Instagram at You Are Not Too Busy Pod. Follow me if you want at Noam Raider. I post a ton, way more on there so we can catch up and keep chatting. But I hope you enjoyed. I hope you learned something, and I'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Mm-hmm.